gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, our latest feature show. My name is David Hockney, and yes, sir, I can boogie, but today I don't feel like dancing. No, sir, no dancing today, because... Uh, at the time of recording, this is post the Czech Republic Euros game for Scotland. And needless to say, it wasn't the result any of us wanted. So we're, excuse us if we're in a bit of a down mood today. But um, let's not talk about that uh, today. So today our feature show is going to be focused on an aspect of a wrestler's character that is often the emphatic statement of not just their character, but also their in-ring work. And that's going to be finishing moves you know so today we're going to be looking at the best and worst finishing moves of the modern era now when i put this discussion out onto our community page there was a little bit of a what should we call it so we say some debate about you know what defines the modern era but for the sake of argument on today's show we're going to look at uh, particularly from the year 2010 onwards so they're there around the last 10 years uh so i'm going to go around our panel and we'll get some of our best and some of our worst and speaking of said panel, let's let's give give them a proper introduction. Uh, up first, uh, wearing his Scotland jersey today, I'm sure he was on a high at the minute, but at the minute he must be feeling rock bottom. It's uh, Derek Kernahan. Derek, how are you? Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to be here. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Hello, yeah, everybody. Um, delighted to be here today, Dave. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to have you back on. Uh, you excited yeah. for some? Uh, you know, despite you know today's result, I think. Are you ready to sort of get involved with some more positive discussion? Yes, looking for some hard-hitting finishers here, so looking forward to this, mate. Mm-hmm. And then looking forward yep. to bashing some of the other ones that we don't like as well, so it's always good. <laughs> yep. Uh, up next, we have uh, the the saint of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, a co-host of Eats Meets West, it is uh, Grant McRobbie. Grant, how are you? I'm good other than obviously that aforementioned Scotland result, but I'm not going to go into that. I'm drinking the beer to get through that painful loss. <laughs> you know what? Do, do as you please, and I don't think anybody's going to stop you here. Uh, now, up next, we have uh, the Bath Bomb Princess herself. Uh, it is Sarah Greaves. Sarah, how are you? Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not doing too bad. I'm... I'm happy and ready to talk finishers. I'm pretending that I am ecstatic from the whole, you know, shit that happened today. I'm going to pretend I've had a good day, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and lastly, we have the new host of the Book It Tournament and the former host of the Conspiracy Theory. He's the the mad producer behind all our crazy creations on YouTube. It is Daniel Campbell. How are you, Daniel? I never host a Conspiracy Theory. That's David Campbell. Yeah, my <laughs> mistake. I knew it was one Campbell, but I get the two mixed up. Botchamania, uh, we're coming. Yeah, Botchamania. Are you, are you back wanting to retake that? Or? <laughs> no, I'll keep it in. It's fine. It's fine. Let's okay. just roll with it, okay? Uh, but yeah, book it. Um, new season. No tournament this time. The tournament was season one, so this next season is just a bloody free for all, pretty much. And we all have a good free for all on the. Uh, on our YouTube, when it comes to our YouTube content. So, but yeah, check out our content on YouTube. Make sure you're also following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. And it's not only the Book It tournament we've got going on, we also have the aforementioned Quiz Showdown and Conspiracy Theory. So keep an eye out for any new posts uh, coming up. So let's not waste any more time, people. Let's go straight into the, the discussion about best and worst finishers of the modern era. And I'm going to start off with you, Daniel, uh, given that I uh, sort of bot semi-botched your intro to start us off. Um, 
let's let's get the bad news out of the way first. So why don't we kick off with the worst finishers of all time, and then we can end the discussion on a high mm-hmm. with the best finishers. So, uh, just just as a, a brief introduction before we go into the proper debate. Uh, this is going to be like much like our roundtable discussion where everybody gets to present their best and worst finishers and then we'll all take a vote on what we think is the overall best and worst. Not just from our discussions, but we've also got some listener input as well. So thank you to everybody who contributed on our community page for that. So anyway, Daniel, the floor is yours. What is your worst finisher of the modern era? Okay, so I had a few that I was thinking of putting as my worst finisher because to me, and I think everyone will agree, a finishing move should be the, the like the bullet point, like the, the full stop at the end of a match for this character. The move that once they hit it, you're like, oh, that's it. We're, we're done. We're out of here. Go home. See you later. But then you get moves that are just, that's it. Really? It wasn't a victory roll or a schoolboy? Holy shit. Put it this way. My runner up for this was the Wasteland, which, let's be honest, you're just rolling someone to the floor. <laughs> that would have been my pick. Instead, I'm going for one that just looks daft, to be honest. And that is Matt Riddle's Bro Derek. Okay. Um, would you care to elaborate on that? I would. Thank you. So, in terms of, like, let's picture the setup. You pick, you scoop them up. It almost looks like you're about to hit a tombstone pile driver. Already quite a historic wrestling move in WWE when you have the Undertaker and Kane in the picture. Then he puts the arm through like he's going for a gotch neutralizer. But you're like but then he just falls. That doesn't scream finisher to me. That's like it's basically a power slam. A very daft looking power slam. To me it doesn't give nearly enough of a you know energy that say like other moves in his arsenal like the GTS would have. Like the GTS I think would probably suit him more as a finisher. Mm, or even you'll... something else that he might have. But the Bro Derek just doesn't do it for me. It never has. Uh well see that's quite an interesting one when you first brought this up in our discussion because uh a couple of our listeners have actually listed AJ Styles' Styles Clash as one of their best finishers. But if you think about it, the setup is kind of similar. It's sort of the the mm. person's got them set up in a sort of body to back position and it sort of drives them to the floor mm. with Matt Riddle's adjustment, you know, being just the, the leg hook. And you could say it's sort of like an inverted version of Cesaro's neutralizer, which funnily enough, hasn't been mentioned by any of our panel or our uh, listeners. Now, Sarah, Grant, Derek, do you want to add anything to that? You know, what do you think? Uh, do you think the bro Derek is is as bad as Daniel's claiming to be, or do you think it's a bit... Or do you agree with what he's saying? First of all, it's a built-in name. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Not biased at all. <laughs> Aye, I, was, I was taking yeah. offence when Dan put that in the chat. I was ready to leave the chat straight away as soon as he said it. Um, <laughs> You're I our love you. Derek. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I can see where Dan's coming from, but it is, it's, it's, it's sort of what you were saying, Dave, there. It's a sort of... Mix, you know, it's like you're putting them in the tombstone and then aye, he just sort of jumps um, on it. It's a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's the best thing that Riddle's got in his arsenal there, definitely. Um, but I can understand why Dan picked it as well. Sarah Grant, you got anything to add? Well, I, I could definitely see why um, 
why Dan's tactic is like like we all say, like that finisher is supposed to be the the ooh touch. You're like, ah, oh, he's hit it. He's or you know, to quote Excalibur, he's done the deed. Um, but when it comes to like the broad Eric, you're just like meh. That's how I feel about it. It's just meh. Mm. Grant, would you say there's some similarities to that between the Styles Clash and the the Neutralizer? Definitely similarities in the setup. Uh, I think to me it's a bit of a letdown. Not because of the presentation or the move itself, but more the fact that when you bear in mind that Riddle is a former cage fighter, a former UFC, you'd expect more of an impact offensive for his finisher, like some sort of like absolutely brutal strike or something like that that would just mm. knock someone the hell out. Mm. Not this kind of like weird slam. I just feel it's a kind of letdown based on his character and what he can actually do in the ring. Mm. So. Daniel, are you saying that this is just one of Riddle's worst finishers, or do you think it's just a bad finisher in general? I would say, like, it's, to be honest, Riddle's the only one I'm seeing hitting that move. I don't see in any other companies that I'm aware of. Like, obviously, like, folk like Grant and Sarah can say, like, if there's anyone in New Japan doing something similar, but I don't know personally. I can tell even just from the look in Grant's face there, that is a definite no. Um, <laughs> so, it's, it, like, Riddle is a guy that, see, even if, like, I don't know, even see something like if he used Booker T's scissors kick, even that I could take. I'd be, I'd be like, well, he's hit that, he's a lethal weapon with his feet already. That one I could buy. But the Bro Derek just has never done it for me. And then even the other week, seeing Randy Orton hit it, I was like, And, you know, you mentioned a couple of, like, you know, Grant mentioned it, like a striking finisher would suit him being an MMA fighter. Remember in NXT used to have the bro mission where he sort of has them in a, almost like a, a dragon sleeper while striking them with his elbows. Like that seems definitely a much more devastating move. And as I think you also mentioned, he does the, the bro to sleep as well, mm-hmm. which is sort of his own version of the go to sleep. So I, I think I see where you're coming from is the fact, you know, Riddle's got a very good arsenal of moves, but he's just been reduced to using this pretty simple sort of lazy looking finisher but not that it's i I personally wouldn't thought it was the worst of all time but it's pretty bad when it comes to matt riddle itself but yeah i think that's a a very good sort of opener to start with when it comes to to worst finishers uh up next sarah what have you got for us um well see i just got one when i was looking at finishers i was like you know what it's not a whole finishing off the match it's more the style of where it goes with a wrestler and just how stupid it looks. Um, so I went for John Cena's lightning fist. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, which obviously for folk that have probably never seen it. Um, so when John Cena was spending some time in China um, for Project X Traction, he was working with Jackie Chan. Um, and then he basically came up with this lightning fist. So it's I've, basically, <laughs> he called it his sixth move of doom. Um, but it's like he gets his arms in a cross like he's sort of powering himself up. Wakanda forever. It's like, ah, and then boom. <laughs> and just punches them and you're like, right, that is first of all not John Cena that we all knew and grew up with, right? And see when he debuted it, like it's Super Showdown, I felt really bad for Andrade. He sold that well. He sold it so well. And I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there going, you got punched in the face and that is it. It may be a fast punch, but it is essentially a jab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, our co-panelist, uh, Jack Graham, uh, was saying that uh, 
he's mentioned it on the community page as well. He thought that it was the worst, saying that it was very out of place and not very fitting of the man. Grant, when you... I don't know if... I know obviously you're not a regular WWE viewer, but when... Are, were you aware of John Cena's new sort of sixth move of Doom? And if you have seen it, what was your initial impression of it? Uh, try to say this, but uh, no, I'm just going to say it. it's absolute pure fucking hoofing. <laughs> 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 it is awful. It, it just does not go with. I like, I'm wrong, I don't think Cena's got. Well, I, I'm not a big fan of m many of his finishers, really, any of them. But that is by far the worst by a clear country male. It is stinking. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, what do you think of Cena's uh, Wakanda Lightning Fist of Doom? I think that's um, how Sarah put it in the community page. Yeah, the the best way I can describe it, it was literally like, you know, Cena hits the move, and then this big massive stadium in Australia, all you just hear pretty much is this. That was the sound of a pin drop, by the way, in case nobody heard that. Like, that's yeah, like that's got to be your worst nightmare. Like Cena would always get a good reaction hitting the attitude adjustment or the STF. Like, as soon as he did those moves, great reaction, because audiences know that could be it. He hits that move, and it's like... Yep, exactly. Nothing. I didn't like any of that! <laughs> Just to add to that, that Cena's move, like, that that was for Cena, what the Darkness character was for David Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, now, Derek, obviously this finisher is more of a striking finisher and we don't, uh, we do get a fair share of striking finishers in WWE and, you know, the wrestling business as a whole. Things like Judas Elbow, uh, with Bradshaw's clothesline from hell, both quite impactful in their own way. And we could even say Wade Barrett's bullhammer to an extent is quite a, quite an impactful strike finisher. But what's your opinion of, you know, finishing moves that are more of strikes rather than holds or slams? Like certain kinds, they can, they can work. This one doesn't. Um, it definitely doesn't. I just watched it again there in YouTube for a laugh, um, and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, like, see this a big gang. You see him doing like the thing, and you can see the muscles, and then you just gotta go. Nah, you know, it's just it's it's shit. <laughs> That's the only way you can describe it. I mean, other other moves work. You know, like when you see when you see Reigns doing his Superman punch and the Big Show doing his punch. You know, and things like that. They work. Um, because of the way that they do it. This one's just out of, out of nowhere. You know, there's... there's, there's I don't know where I can say it. It's, it's crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really crap, so I ain't saying it's an absolute build on you. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad you said you mentioned Roman Superman punch because Ryan Dalgleish uh, has said, you know, he wasn't a, a big fan of Roman's Superman punch because it didn't feel as impactful as some of his other stuff, you know, like the Spear or the Guillotine. And yeah. even when it comes to, uh, you know like very iconic moves such as the people's elbow gary has mentioned that he thinks the people's elbow is one of his worst finishers because it's a, such a simple you know sort of elbow drop and it's more about the spectacle rather than the move itself do you think cena's lightning fist sort of falls under that category but just it's that's basically scraping the bottom of the barrel 100 agree mm -hmm. uh, anything else anybody wants to add about cena's lightning fist or should we just uh leave it in the honking pile i would just say very quickly it's in the honking pile, right beside the Hogan leg drop and the people's elbow, in my opinion. Uh, well, th thank you for That's that. It's interesting that three massive characters like Dan just mm -hmm. mentioned are, you know, Cena, Hogan, and The Rock, and they've all got, 
you would say they're all pretty crap finishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, really, because again, you know, back in the Attitude Era days, you know, it was more about the superstar creating a show, creating a spectacle, mm. and the move itself, you know, it was as simple as simple can be. Yeah. I, and the, I think there were so many wrestlers who sort of used their character to make a finisher go over, but when you took that away, there was sort of nothing to it. And I think this sort of falls very neatly under, you know, seen as lightning fist. So yeah, thank you for that one, Sarah. I think that was, uh, I think we had a bit of a good discussion there on that one. Now, Grant, I'm going to move on to you now because obviously you're not a, a WWE fan and you actually put in a, I believe you put in an entry from uh, a New Japan Pro Wrestling star. Yes, the Butterfly Lock, also known as the world's worst pishy, Phil Nelson. <laughs> uh, my way of comparing it is that we all know Bobby Lashley done the Phil Nelson, which I also thought was absolute garbage, but at least Bobby Lashley sells it by the fact he has built like seven brick shit houses. <laughs> Yoshihashi has absolutely zero charisma. He has possibly the worst haircut I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Yep. Um, his, his most exciting thing is that he comes out with a staff when no reason the staff went over is because Kenta managed to make it work <laughs> and he has this butterfly lock and I know it doesn't hurt you and my mate have tried it on each other it does not actually hurt <laughs> it is awful <laughs> I can see I've pretty much broken Sarah when I've described it in this <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's just laughing in the background right now because I can't find I can also say how bad it is because I've just went to search it on YouTube and nothing is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny you should say that because I've got hair look- tutorials for butterfly locks for hair. That's maybe something interesting, but... Probably a better, better submission putting one in someone's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Try it on Derek's. Try it on Derek's. Yoshihashi's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. expression on his face, just that usual expression, is more chance of getting over than the butterfly lock. Mm. He has the look of someone that's always thinking, did, did you just fart? <laughs> so is it kind of like, um, obviously some of us uh, don't really watch New Japan, but is it kind of like the equivalent of, uh, is it, dare I say, is it quite like the Hurricane trying to do the choke slam? Yeah, you could probably put it in that kind of same category because it, it is essentially a full Nelson. It, it, he tries sometimes, he occasionally adds in a Kimura lock to give it a little bit of flavour. But you know what, you can't polish a turd. It still looks awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to just add in for the viewers as well, so right now Sarah is holding up an actual image to us of the butterfly lock, and that just looks like a bouncer trying the last ditch effort to wrestle a drunk guy out of a pub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it kind of, it kind of looks like you're gonna. It's kind of like you're going for a double underhook DDT, but you're not following through with the DDT part of it. No, it looks like you've done it just the other way around. They're already down on the floor. So you're just yeah. like, oh crap, how do I set it up again? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Derek, I want to ask you about the, the full Nelson sort of move as a, uh, as a whole, because Grant obviously mentioned guys like Bobby Lashley, and you could even say guys like Chris Masters as well, made the full Nelson like a move to be feared. Like, the master lock, you know, went unbroken for, for years. Like, how bad is it to see, you know, someone like Yoshihashi just reduce it to something as really just as pathetic as that? Yeah, I was I was doing the same as Dan. I was googling it there just as we were talking to see if I could see anything. Um, and I can, the only thing I can see is Jamie Noble done it once. Uh, well, it looks like Jamie Noble done it quite a bit, but it, uh, it was a pretty it's a pretty crappy move <laughs> when you're looking at it. But the full Nelson was something I remember when we first when we first started watch wrestling in, in the in the eighties. There was um, Hercules. That was his finisher. 
I mean, Nelson and the way he put it on, and then the, the way that Lashley does it as well, and the shake. I mean, these guys were big, big guys doing it as well. So you can imagine if they put something like a full Nelson on you, you know, the pain that it would, it would if they were doing it correctly. Whereas this one, the picture that Sarah put just looks like I, it looks a bit, again, it looks a bit metal, it looks like it's a guy trying to, try to squeeze a tub out. That's what it pretty much looks like <laughs> when you're doing it. So it does look like, it definitely doesn't look the greatest. Um, mm-hmm when you see it, so I think this is another one that's right up there mm-hmm. um, in terms of crappy finishers. Yeah, and Grant, obviously New Japan's very much you know into sort of strong style striking and sort of much more devastating impactful moves. Like, how how badly does this stick out, you know, compared to the New Japan style as a whole? Well, I mean, New Japan also has a lot of good submission specialists. Um, that picture Sarah showed that it was ZSJ, possibly the best submission wrestler on the planet these days getting put in it and I'm pretty sure he would have been offended by it. In fact, it's it's that bad. I mean, Derek, imagine Wilson tried putting you in that. <laughs> You'd be able to just move your arm and just break him away like an empty tracksuit. Just imagine Wilson tried to do anything like that to me, it would just be hilarious. It's also <laughs> assuming that Wilson could get him on the ground first, I'd, which is another thing. Be, I'd have to be half cut, I think, for him to do that. Mm. Or like 20 beers deep. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, obviously you're a bit of a a New Japan fan as well. Is there any other submission holds in Japan that even comes close to being as bad as this, or is this just like literally the the worst of the worst? I mean, when it comes to like, I I don't actually watch the submission stuff, like especially when it comes to Yoshihashi. I just if he's in with other people, I'm like, yay, yay, and I feel quite sorry for Yoshihashi. Um, but no, when it's submission, definitely nothing comes anywhere. The money else. clip. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I didn't want to even acknowledge that. But yeah, the money clip, which is Okada's submission finisher, which I can't even describe it because I would probably oversell it. It's a shit mm. Cobra Clutch. <laughs> 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 I didn't want to say it. And the, sh- the shame is that the Cobra Clutch is actually a pretty devastating type finisher. Like Even Rene Dupree makes it look good. You know, this was when his 2006 Raw run on or Sunday Night Heat run. But either way, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously um, me personally, I'm not as insightful with New Japan. But the way you've described that finisher, Grant, it does make it come across as really, really duff. Uh, especially for a promotion that you know is generally quite good with its move set. Uh, so, last panel member to discuss their worst finisher, Derek. Uh, round off our panelist suggestions. Yeah. So mine is someone who's in the WWE currently, and any time that she's in a match, I quickly turn it off or fast forward as quick as I can. Um, it is Tamina's. Um, yeah, it's our it's our kick and our frog splash that she does. Now, our kick that she does. I'm quite up for the kicks, you know. Like Shawn Michaels used to deliver a great speech in music um, with it as well. It's just the way that Tamina does it and the way that she finishes it that, that, that's got my problem. First of all, she can't get her her leg up by her hip, which is a massive problem. You know, most of the time she's kicking people in the stomach when you're supposed to kick them in the face with a super kick. So that's one thing that really does it for me. And our frog splash as well, when she gets up to the top rope as well, it just looks, it looks messy, you know, when she jumps, she lands on her knees constantly and it's just, it's just messy and it's just, I just cringe when you see it and you see like guys like I said, um, guys like when I was younger, you know, 
Jimmy Superfly doing it, the relation of Davina is doing it as well, and he was he was the expert at it. And it's just nah, I mean we used to do me and Gary used to practice all these moves on Stephen when he was a wee guy. And you know, when you see stuff like this, like Stephen, stand there, okay, okay, what's happening the next minute he's right the chops. Um, <laughs> that's that's how it should be done. That's how you need to practice. You need to get someone like a Stephen Wilson in there to just let her just sit there and let him kick him in the face all the time because you've got a face you want to kick. So I think that's what I think that's I think that's what Tamina needs. She needs to get Stephen over to the stage pronto and do some practicing. But it's, like I said, it's just the, the execution of it that makes it that makes it the worst for me. Ah, uh, you're not the only one that thinks that because Kwaku, uh, our EVP, has been saying that that was his worst suggestion as well. Tamina's Superfly Splash purely for its execution. And Dan, the the Superfly Splash itself, you know, it's it's quite a common move. It's quite an easy one to pull off. Mm-hmm. But do you think the the only way this could be bad is if it, it sort of just lies in the execution of the move? Put it this way, you know, it's bad when Val Venus did a bear. Um, ah. <clears throat> but in, in terms of like wrestlers, I know wrestlers have certain levels of comfort when it comes to doing moves, which is fair enough. If you look at someone like Kane, Kane, Kane never took a clean front bump. There was always a knee there. There was something to protect himself. It could be that Tamina maybe finds it as more of a comfort thing, but the problem is there could be a way you can disguise it a bit better. Even if it's just like they cut, you know, before she lands, they cut to a shot on the other side of the ring where you don't see it as much. That could maybe even help improve it. So I'd say it's probably partly the way the WWE presents it, and just it's maybe just something that Tamina does more out of comfort. As for the super kick, there's no saving that. <laughs> yeah, you're either good or bad at super kick. There's no sort of in between when it comes to it. Uh, but Sarah, the the splash itself, you know, there's many sort of iterations of it. You've got the frog splash, even across body to an extent, and those can be pretty devastating. But it comes back to, you know, sort of whether it's being executed correctly, you know, purely if whether it's getting height on it, whether it's getting distance or just the sheer impact of it that sort of really affects it. And would it be fair to say that Tamina doesn't really deliver on any of these things except maybe the impact of the move as a, as a whole? I mean, I think the only thing that she's got going for when it comes to the impact is just, you know, the actual size of her, like in terms of height, etc., that she can actually make it impactful when she wants but see when you have to compare it to like the Usos splash Mm. like they at least actually make it look decent whereas half the time I just think that Kamina does like a wee hop and she just sort of falls but it's like falling with style (laughs) (laughs) like Um, Buzz Lightyear well exactly yeah and I think like see when it comes to her super kick like yeah she can't get her foot up above her hip there's ways to make it look much better is kicking them down to their knees and then doing a super kick to their face. Like, you have other wrestlers that make that work, especially if you're smaller. So there's stuff that she can do to sort of alter the move. Um, I don't know if it's just her flexibility or like maybe ring attire or the fact that maybe she is slightly too tall to be able to hit um, that kind of super kick. But yeah, or, or Splash, I'm just like, it would look better even if she just tripped and fell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Grant, obviously I think the, the discussion around this move in particular is just the ability to sort of make it your own and, you know, add a little bit of creativity and extra impact to it. Do you think that's the, the difference maker from the Superfly Splash sort of being somewhere between a good and a bad finisher? 
Yeah, I think presentation is a huge part of it. And like Sarah did make the point that part of the reason the only thing that you can really sell the splash is, as Sarah said, is to kind of do our size. And the only reason I find that slightly believable is my nephew that's only a third of my weight. When he does a splash to me, I'm pretty sure my ribs cave in and he's only about 50 pounds, never mind 250. So mm -hmm. that's a complete But Even if she was to do something a little bit like, like what Otis does, the kind of Vader bomb style, you mm -hmm. don't have to go that far. And the angle in that, you can technically do the kind of safe knees landing, but the camera angle will generally save you. And I, I think that would suit her a lot better. And as suggested, cut the knees, then go for the kick, bring them down to size. You know, it would be quite believable for her to kick someone at like the side of the calf or what and pretty much take them clean off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we see it on NXT as well, like the current North American champion Bronson Reed. Uh, has been using a uh, sort of top rope splash and he's a big he's a big guy you know he's like Otis's size and yet he's pulling off a super fly splash with with ease and I think Wade Barrett referred to it as the tsunami uh, when he won the title in the steel cage but you see it's those sort of creative you know creative sparks of geniuses I think that's what makes it more impactful for a guy like him but when it comes to Tamina it, it just doesn't work for her in this instance so you know what, Derek? I appreciate that. I think that's sort of thinking outside the box uh, when it comes to, you know, it's the it comes down to the execution of the move rather than sort of the move itself. So I think that's a quite a quite a clever argument you put forward there. Uh, now we've got now we've got a, bit, a little bit of time uh, to sort of before we move on to our sort of best finishers, and we'll get some more listener input going forward as well. But I'll just throw my selection into the hat as well, and. Honestly, I cannot get out of my head how ridiculous this finisher is for a company that was at its time, you know, it was promoting PG kid-friendly stuff right down our throats and nothing stuck in my throat more than a guy who uses fingers to jab people in the throat whilst wearing a snake puppet. My worst, my personal worst finisher is Santino's Cobra. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry, you know, that comedic wrestling, I know we've talked about this before, comedic wrestling is, you know, something that's relatively popular uh, across the, the landscape, but that finisher is diabolical. Like, it's it's insulting. Like, that's my that's my uh, take on it. Uh, I don't know if, do you guys have any, uh, Sarah, you've got your hand on your, your heart there. You almost as, if, almost as if you felt offended by that. I mean, anything that goes against Santino Morello, is offensive in my eyes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is more for the comedic part of it because let's just face it, he wasn't like even though he's got the capability to be a serious wrestler, right? The the whole point is for comedy aspect. You just like you need to have a little laugh sometimes. Mm. So especially like when he brings out in a rumble match or you know brings out just every now and again, it's just like you know shit's about to go down. You hear the crowd getting into the like oh the cobra's coming the cobra's coming and he just sort of bonks people and yeah. with all fairness <laughs> if you're running towards someone and they bonk you in the eye you're gonna go down or you're at least gonna react in some sort of way so it is believable and let's just face it it's a cobra right at least he makes his hand look like a cobra if you had done like a swan as well like in the uk then we all know ones are scary as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, wish he did that fun. when he came over here though. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? That's a very good that's a very good point. Swans are scary. Does that does mean he, Canada he does yeah, a white <laughs> does a full white sock the we like the, the beak as well the and just shouts SWAN <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Right, I'm gonna tweet on that. 
You yeah, know what? I think that. that's that's made it so much better now. You know, if he changed this, if he changed from a cobra to a swan, then <laughs> yeah, I think that as well. But let let us not forget one other thing about the cobra. It was with the cobra, he was that away from becoming world heavyweight champion. Yep. Remember that, and mm -hmm. he used it on Daniel Bryan, like mm -hmm. one of the most beloved wrestlers in the entire world. Like it, it's. If that happened, I would have like flipped my table over and thrown my TV out the window. It's just a, and he did nearly win the Royal Rumble with it as well, which is oh my gosh. I mean, just when you thought winning the World Title was bad enough, like winning the Royal Rumble is like a much much bigger thing. Dreams but, can come true. Grant, Derek, do you have anything else to add to this abomination of a move? You know, I was I'm watching right, when when you said it, Dave. I watched the top ten. Um, Finishes of the Cobra, and it doesn't hit the same place in any of the, any of the top ten. You know, some guy gets it in the forehead, someone got it in the eye, someone got it in the throat, and that, that's how deadly it is. That's how deadly it is. Mm -hmm. anywhere, anywhere in the face and they're down. Um, but I, I think, I think it was like said, I said the comic, the comic value on it was brilliant. See the buzz, he used used to get the atmosphere up when he put the sock on, and then he done the wee shit Cobra. Just mm -hmm. but I, it is. It's pretty crap as well at the other end of the stick when you've got some of the ones that we're going to talk about soon. Yeah. Um, it's pretty nice. Uh, Ryan Hicks has is, uh, is agreed with me on that actually. He says the Cobra Strike is also the worst, but, uh, and he's also said that along with Scotty Two Hotties, the worm. Uh, and again, that, I think that could sort of fall under the same category as the People's Elbow because it's a bit of. It's mostly just showboating with a, a really rubbishy strike to a downed opponent who could have got up within the neck the last like five seconds or so. So it's yeah. uh, Grant. Do you have anything to add to moves like the Worm or the Cobra? No, I mean that's it, it is it, it's a total showboating move which makes absolutely no sense in the whole context of wrestling. We're meant to believe all this sort of stuff. So I'm meant to believe that a man can just go like that mm. and just take like you know at least like pretend you're taking someone's eye out or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, we saw them do that at Extreme Rules last year. It didn't work. Moving on. The thought, the thought, although the thought of them, the thought of like it being a case of the ref has got his back turned and he hits a cobra straight to the the man bits. Oh, that'd be a lethal move. That. Guys, this one for the man bit. The goose, the Canadian goose, the Swan. I like that the idea. Is... Of the I like the idea. Of the goose. I mean, yeah, I don't know yeah, about you, but have you ever been chased by a goose? Have you ever been chased by a goose? It's fucking goose. Goose. Because it could honk, honk like a goose. Honk. You know the honk. Nah. Run like he that. yells, goose. Honk. <laughs> I could just imagine Sarah Greaves getting a big lens camera out for that as well. If he was doing it at the guys. Oh. Aye. No oh, swan to the genitals. Sarah's got a camera out again. Uh, WWE that shock revelers with swan prank at wrestling show. <laughs> the headlines would be everywhere. Might <laughs> get famed somehow. WCW, uh, <laughs> who was Sarah? Wrestling crotch watch. Crotch <laughs> <laughs> watch be crazy. Oh, jeez. Oh. All right. Make me sound like a creep, bro. All right. So. I'll, I'll run through some of the other worst finishers that our listeners have put in and then we'll do a, a vote. We can either vote on each other's what we think is the worst or if there's any from the listeners that have stuck out to you, you can always vote for that as well. So uh, so Kwaku's put in his worst. Uh, David Campbell, the GOAT, has actually said he's not a fan of carrying Cross's Saito suplex. It just doesn't have the impact of a finisher for him. 
and I can, I'm starting to see a trend when it comes to suplexes, etc. <laughs> because uh, Sean Smith has said the belly to belly is a really awful finisher, which I think it's we've mentioned on podcasts in the past that it is a, a pretty nasty finishing move. He's also it's a said belly. To belly. Yeah, it's a belly see, to belly. See the, see the cycle suplex. Has Cross ever actually won off that, or does he always just go into the Cross jacket? No, he has actually. I think some of his earlier matches Didn't on he NXT. Did Keith Lee with the cycle suplex at first? Yep, that's yeah. right. Yep. Uh, but he's only recently sort of switched to the the cross jacket because I think the side of suplex is what caused him to have the the separated shoulder. So he's sort of having to alternate between the two now. Uh, Sean Smith has said, or oh, Cena's getting a lot of abuse here. John Cena's STF was terrible as well, given that there was just no clutch on it whatsoever. Nikki Bella made it look better. Yeah, it, and I that's mean, a hell it, of a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, 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 in his earlier days, you know, the STF was literally just like wrapped around a person's face. But then it was literally like in later years, he was just sort of resting his fists beneath their chin and there was nothing to it. It was a chin lock. It's it was a chin fact, lock, yeah. He's got these he's big jacked up muscles and nobody is getting squeezed by his biceps. At least make it look like he's doing that. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, Stephen Wilson has said uh, Okada's Rainmaker, Strowman's yeah. Power Slam, and the Coup de Gras were all his worst finishers. Now I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's another Power Slam that's come up, you know, alongside the mm. Derek. <clears throat> I I disagree with Strowman's Power Slam personally because I don't think any of us could take that and get back up after a three count. The Coup de Gras as well has really surprised me because it's yeah. a, a top rope striking move. So which, to be honest, like going back to what like Derek was saying earlier about Stephen like being practice for them. <laughs> like, does Steven really think that if Derek or Gary were to jump off a couch mm. and just full on stomp him in the chest, does he not think that would hurt? That would just uh, about cave your chest in. I've got a we great idea. We have done it before. We have done it before. He's, he's mentioned three of them, right? So we all get one each. Who's going to take the coup de grand, Steven? I'm going to hit him with a rainmaker. I'm going to dibs that. I'll do the um, power slam. You'll go for the power slam. There, there we go. Right, you know, he's got the trampoline at the back for the nephew. We're allowed to use that. We're, Wilson, we're all coming for you. Your days are numbered. <laughs> We've come for you. Them because it's like Vietnam flashbacks. That's what he gets from them. That's why he them. <laughs> he's just going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Uh, uh, the uh, no, Daddy, no, no. Not the rainmaker. <laughs> Uh, one from Anthony Fitzpatrick has already been mentioned. Uh, Wade Barrett's Wasteland. You know, the, the sort of forward uh, Samoan drop as if he's just uh, dropped a sack of totties or something. Uh, so, but he's glad he eventually changed it to the Bullhammer. I think the striking finisher discussion sort of uh, addressed that one there. Uh, but Gary Coyle's submission has sort of really intrigued me a bit. So his worst is the Coquina Clutch from Samoa Joe and Shayna Baszler's Kerafuda Clutch. Like... And he also goes to say, how often does this move put someone away? Quite a lot, good move. How often has someone rolled backwards and got the pinfall? Quite a lot. And they never break the hold when they're getting pinned. Bad move. So he believes there was one time where Joe choked out either Rey Mysterio or AJ Styles as the count was made, making him think he won to a good moment, but then it backfires so often it can't be called a good finisher. Now that's, um, that made me think, you know, it does a finisher become bad if people are... Uh, able to counter it so easily and get a win off the back of it. Daniel, what do you think? Yes. That's it. <laughs> but, you know, we, Sarah, we've seen on NXT, like, Shayna Baszler won practically all our matches with the Kerafuda clutch, and it's only when she moved to Monday Night Raw that people actually started, you know, countering it effectively. Like, 
is it just sort of suffered a fall from grace? You know, moves like uh, these sort of clutch finishers. But our first Brock Lesnar hits it as well, um, and it, it, he's a big scary man. Um, but no, that it was used really, really effectively. This is the whole argument, though. Does the main roster or Rod SmackDown main rostering air quotations? Does that ruin superstars? Like when when in NXT, yes, it was a very, very powerful move. I mean, Shane Baszler was without a doubt one of the most dominant champions in NXT history. Um, and obviously that's not been fully transitioned onto main roster. Um, so that is a question. It's like, does it need to be pulled back? Does she may- need to make other people look like really, really strong? I mean, there was one point that she had Sasha Banks in the care of the clutch and Sasha, obviously without Shayna actually looking after her, like Sasha could have broken her hand mm-hmm. um, when trying to counter it. So. I think that's probably the execution of her being told you need to soften it up, you need to make it look less harsh. I mean, it was the same with Asuka. She got told to not be so stiff and when her striking, to soften it back for, you know, the Western talent. So I think back in NXT, really, really powerful move. Um, and when it's been transitioned to Raw and SmackDown, it's just, it's been softened up majorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Grant, Gary goes on to say that it used to be a great move in his mind, but obviously the, the roll-up and not and the person not breaking the grip uh, to avoid losing really takes the shine off it. But then Dave Holmes sort of adds to that and he says uh, he liked it when it was being used sparingly, like when Bret Hart used to beat Roddy Piper with the sleeper. Uh, and it was the fact that they used it, these these clutches all the time it sort of takes the shine off them do you think that's uh do you think that's a fair argument i think overexposure can be a dangerous thing um especially when you are wrestling on a week-to-week basis where you've not got any gap from them they're on every single week however i think the whole rolling on to them and it can be countered argument i argue back saying storytelling purposes it can be used in that context someone gets a fluke when it's like well i still choked you out so that can then that can be used to build your feuds towards the likes of your no DQ matches and stuff like that or mm. submission matches um, as has, has been done in the past um, I mean I don't know many years but I've been putting a, sleeper, a proper real sleeper before like one of those style and uh, yeah it sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, all right, so that's uh, that's been our sort of worst finishers from us and our listeners so it's time to uh, take the all-important vote on who who do you think put the best case forward about who had the worst finisher? So I'll, I'll go around the, the panel and we'll see where we are. So, and the only rule is you can't choose the one you've picked. You have to choose someone else's. That's that's the rule, unfortunately. So Sarah, you, since you seem so thrilled with that, uh, what's your vote for worst finisher? Uh, Yoshi Hatchie's butterfly lock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just awful. Uh, Derek, what, what's your vote? Uh, John Cena's lander first. Grant? The Lightning Fist. Daniel? Lightning Fist. I think we have a winner. Uh, the worst finisher is John Cena's Lightning Fist, which is a real shame for a, a Hall of Fame caliber superstar, 16-time world champion, to have literally one of the worst moves of all time. And that's been said by our uh, by our listeners as well. The Lightning Fist uh, will, will be marked as the worst wrestling move, worst finishing move, I should say, of, uh, of this podcast. So... Let's get the the bad stuff out of the way. Let's move on to the best finishers uh, of the modern era. 
And we'll go in reverse order for this one. So, Derek, I'm going to start with you. What is your personal best? Now, I know you put two suggestions in at first, but I uh, had to sort of pick one of them. Uh, yeah. are, are you sticking with the one I, yes. I selected? Yeah, 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 definitely am. Um, if I was going to pick one, if I was going, obviously, you know, um, I love my, my 80s and 90s wrestling. If I had to pick one of all time, it would have been the Doomsday device by LOD. Um, that would have been my all-time one, so I think I'm more something a bit more current and mine is the Claymore kick um, by Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. and I know some people might think it's just a it's just a kick in the face but I think it's again it's the, the counter argument to Matamina one as well it's the execution of it you've got this guy who is 6 foot 5 what, 270 pounds running at your full speed and kicking you right in the chops it's pretty I, I would think it would be pretty devastating I wouldn't like one of them any, anyway personally um, as well and the thing about it is as well, it can the thing I like about it is well, it can come at any time. You don't need to you don't need to it doesn't need to work up to doing it. You know, it could be you know, there could be any time during the match, you know, where it could be if he's on a tongue, if he's on the ropes, or anything like that on the floor, he can jump up and, you know, deliver one of these devastating kicks in the face, which is why um I put in there. I always think finishers should be something that you go, Oh, that's that's going to be a sore one, and mm. uh, that's why I put in um, the Claymore kick. Aye. Now, Sarah, this move actually sort of came around by accident because uh, I remember Drew mentioning an interview when he was uh, part of 3MB. Uh, this finisher sort of came around when he was, um, obviously he was wearing sort of longer tights as opposed to his regular trunks. And he was going for like a, a standard kick, like a drop kick, for example. And he just end up ran, hit him with a single leg because of because of the difficulty of his attire and stuff. It didn't have as much flexibility. And then I think Vince came to him backstage and said, "Can you keep using that move there, thereabouts? Because it looked amazing." Like, do you think it's one of those moves that just sort of came about by you know just by sheer chance? I mean, it's funny that you came to me because I think we've got te- like telepathy going on David and I only usually experience that with my twin uh-huh. um, that I was actually thinking that the funniest thing is the fact that this came around by accident um, it was like a completely not intentional which I think is what makes it quite a funny story as well um, so def- I, th- I think definitely like we all know that Drew was Vince's, uh, Vince's guy in the beginning um, and obviously I think um, I think 3MB might have actually been like one of the better things to happen to Drew on like his wee, his wee fall from grace. Because um, it, yeah, it it gave birth to the Claymore kick, not quite like me young in the hand. Um, but <laughs> I, I was just like, in my head, I went, oh crap, give birth. Nope, <laughs> not the hand. Um, but yeah, it's like he was running, trying to do it, and he sort of basically slipped at the same time because he couldn't get. It was like big leather pants. It felt like the whole scene in Friends where Ross couldn't get his leather pants back on. <laughs> um, like that's probably what I could imagine that was going through Drew's head. It's just like, please don't. It probably hoping that they didn't split because mm-hmm. let's just face it, that's happened to wrestlers and it's it's mean for quite a meme on the internet. Um, so I think I think um, the fact that he's he's turned around and he's just like, you know what? It's a kick in the face, like. When people say, oh, it's just a kick in the face, you try getting kicked in the face, it's, it's not fun. Right. Like, if anyone says they're getting kicked in the face is fun, then you're psychotic, right? And you probably, you know, put the milk in first in your tea. So- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know how much 
how exactly they're psychos right milking the tea yeah milking I mean, milk milk first I, they're just psychos i mean yeah i i watch a lot of things that you know i could probably get away with a, a whole bunch of like murder or you know it's like i i i've seen pretty little liars i've seen vampire diaries i've seen everything make things look like an accident but i'm not a psycho i don't do that so yeah, when it came to bringing out the Claymore kick and like, Derek said, it can come from out of nowhere. I mean, like, in my head, I was just like, oh my god, RKO out of nowhere, but it's oh my god, Claymore out of nowhere. Um, which I'm surprised that no one actually even mentioned the RKO. Um, just saying. But yeah, it mm. can literally just come out of nowhere. Like, we have seen it happen a few times. Like, maybe someone's getting back up or like Drew's just getting back up and it's like, get ready to turn around, boom, Claymore. And you're like, where did that come from? Mm. How did he do that? <laughs> uh, now, Daniel, the would it be fair to say that the Claymore kick has sort of got an element of sweet chin music about it? Because I think when Drew started using it, when he sort of adopted his his face turn, he started sort mm. of stand, standing in the corner, <laughs> tuning up the band, did the three, two, one, and then he levels the opponent with the Claymore. Do you think there is some elements of sweet chin music about it? It's definitely got the unpredictability of it and also the, the fan attraction to it. Because, I mean, like you heard it like he would do the the count and the fans would be there right along with him three two, two one one get some like right there and the other thing is i'm just waiting for him to have like a fantasy booking scenario let's say at some point drew's champion again let's say Rey mysterio gets a crack at him again like you know easily you can recreate that moment ray hits us uh, six one nine goes for the west coast pop flies off the ropes claymore one two mm. three drew gets the win it's a spot done to death but with a claymore it would look just as beautiful mm -hmm. yeah grant that's daniel's actually brought up a very very good point like the it's almost as if the claymore has evolved you know in terms of how easily or how devastating it can be pulled off like obviously you know it's just from sort of mat level uh, to a just a standing opponent but when daniel talks about things like it can now be hit on opponents mid-air as the aforementioned sort of Rey Mysterio example, but he did it to Kofi Kingston on Raw not that long ago. And that on itself just made it look even more devastating. Kind of like when Shawn Michaels switch in music, Shelton Benjamin out of the air sort of mid 2005 time. Like, do you think this, this sort of ability to sort of evolve and just continually make this Claymore better, is that only just going to help during the long run and help make it more devastating? It definitely helps his, his appeal in the fact that you've got a move that can be pulled out of nowhere and I like the fact that the Claymore as a finisher, it could be done by a guy that's £150, it could be done by a guy that's £300. As long as it's delivered crisp, it is a totally believable finish regardless of, if you were to put that into like a, an MMA context, doesn't matter whether you're flyweight, welterweight, heavyweight, if you can land a square kick right in someone's chin, you can knock them out clean in mm -hmm. one go. And Drew has got that sort of evolution where he has been able to incorporate it into different scenarios. And the more work that he can get in, if he's got the right chemistry, like that idea of like catching someone mid-air like you've done the coffee, um, it's it's up there with the likes of your Evan Bourne into the RKO. Sort of, it sticks in memory. It's mm -hmm. always going to be there. It's 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 iconic. Yep. And we all know how devastating kick finishers can be. You know, we've seen tons of them over the years. Uh, but yeah, I think, Derek, I think that's a very, very good selection for best finisher. I'm surprised none of our listeners chose it either. 
but they have picked a couple of other sort of kicking style finishers, which we'll get to at some point. But yeah, great shout with the Claymore. And uh, I think that's going to be a tough one to top. So next we'll go to, I believe it was Grant uh, next. So Grant, what have you got for your best finisher? So I went again Japan because we know I'm a big mark for it. King of the marks <laughs> of all <laughs> Japan. And I've went for Shingo Takagi's Last of the Dragon. Okay. Which, um, the only way to really describe it, it's technical sort of terminology is it is a wrist clutch Samoan driver. I'm a big fan of it by the fact that it is a solid impact move. Um, it, 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 and for the purpose of story, if it's not hit clean, it's believable for someone to get out of it. It doesn't weaken the finish. If he's in the middle of we all know, like, know New Japan loves their main events to be 30, 40, 50 minute matches. So it's quite believable at the 35 minute mark, you could hit a finisher like that, liftings on your shoulders, and with their weight in that, you might not get the whole thing. But when he hits it properly, oh my God, it's a thing of beauty. Just the way he pretty much gets them over the shoulders and folds them down. But when you see it in slow motion, you can also see it's a pretty damn safe move. One slight mistake lately when Osprey took it uh, on two tables on the outside. That was pretty grim. But on the whole, it is a very safe move and it's kind of just really a step up from one of his signatures, the last in Japan. And I just, I'm a big fan of a, a huge impact maneuver that makes you look and go, oh yeah, that, that sucks. That does not look fun. Like, so is it kind of similar to like a Death Valley driver or a Michinoku driver? Sarah's picture sums it up pretty perfectly from that position. Okay. So you, you have almost got a Death Valley driver style start with where they're positioned on the shoulders, but you're holding them on the whole way and bringing them right down almost into a powerbomb. Right. Because they go under your leg so that it goes straight into a pin as well. There's no need to move to get into a pin, which I love. If you've got a finisher which goes straight into a pin, I think that looks wonderful because how many times do we see someone hits a finisher or they're too scun up? Oh, they've taken too long to roll over and get the pin. We're straight into it. Believable. Mm -hmm. Now, Sarah, obviously, um, being, a, again, the, the New Japan sort of person uh, alongside Grant, uh, where does this sort of rank in terms of, you know, finishers performed by guys in New Japan? I mean, unless you're Yano, I don't really care. No, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> or if you're not Hiromu, then... But, I mean, when when you come to it, I, I think Grant will agree, like, when it comes to most of it, when it's LIJ, they've got pretty much some of the best finishers, like, just that entire stable. Um, but I, I can't think of any that would, uh, like, hmm, are any better. I mean, I, I love anything that Hiromu Takahashi does and anything that Yano does, because Yano's just a thing of beauty. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, like, when, when Grant mentioned it, I was just like, you know what? I've come to love Shingo quite a lot recently. Um, I think when I first started watching the Japan, he was the one I always forgot about in <laughs> LIJ, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, like it, it is a very, very beautiful move. It is very beautiful. I mean, it's very, very hard to do those kinds of moves. And the fact it just makes it look so seamless and so pretty. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh Derek, Grant actually brought up a really good point about this is one of these finishers that you can automatically go straight into a pinning predicament because quite a lot of the finishers that, you know, we've discussed already, they 
almost have a bit of a stopgap between, you know, the impact of the move and then having to take a few seconds to cover the opponent for a finish. But in this instance, it's one of those finishers that you could just automatically, you know, uh, hook the leg and just go straight into a pin for. Do you think finishers like that actually add a bit more, a bit more impact in terms of how effective they can be? I think it's good for the storytelling. Um, you know, when when it's going straight into a straight into a finisher like that as well, and it just seems like it's just one slick motion, um, where you're able to slam them down, pick up the leg, one, two, three, it's done. Just sort of like Grant said there, yes, yeah, so I'm all for that as well. Um, I've never actually seen this move because I don't watch a lot in Japan, but I just seen the picture of the Sarah there, and it does look pretty, it looks pretty devastating as well. Um, it looks. Uh, Aye, that's, uh, that's uh, Dan's put a video up of it on his yeah. camera, so we've just seen it yeah. there. It, lo it looks amazing. Just, it's slick, you know, it's a slick, it's a slick motion and it's devastating at the same time as well, and it just does everything that you need it to do. Mm -hmm. um, as well as a proper, as a proper finisher. Aye. Now, Daniel, we... Well, I sort of mentioned a few other moves, you know, things like the Death Valley driver, the Michinoku driver, and maybe even to an extent, the the sort of um, air raid crash, you know, guys like, you know, Sheamus and Tommaso Ciampa pull off moves like that. Do you think, obviously, this is like a, a new twist to it, you know, it adds, you know, to the impact of it with the pinning combination, and there's a bit of a twist to it with the drive. But do you even just think things like, you know, the, the Death Valley driver, like uh, driver moves in general, along with the air raid crash, do you think those are just impactful, uh, but yet, at the same time, they're such simple moves to pull off. I would agree as well. I mean, even like, I mean, you have moves like that, and even like inverted versions of it, like Burning Hammer or stuff. Like, mm. they always will get a pop out of someone because if it's a move that's done beautifully, then you know everyone's gonna have an extra appreciation for it. And I had never seen that move until I just watched that clip there, and I would, I would actually lose it if. You know, if, if someone in like WWE or NXT even adopted the move, or even if uh, what, what's the fellow's name, uh, Shingo Takagi, is it? Like e even if he like made an appearance and used the move, something like that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I'm actually glad you mentioned the burning hammer as well. Uh, because I remember seeing that move before, and I'm thinking, my God, how come nobody's mentioned this? Because it's uh, I mean, if you thought a Death Valley driver was bad enough, imagine having to take it upside down and then land pretty much on your head and shoulders. It's... Aye. I There's a reason that Daniel Bryan nearly lost his shit at the Cruiserweight Classic when that move got used. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Kota Bushi that did it, or was it Cedric Alexander? I think it might have actually been Brian Kendrick. Oh, because I remember, you know, he was commentating on the Ibushi-Cedric match, and he absolutely lost his mind. I can't... Well, it might have been... Oh, I don't, I don't remember. It was one of the two. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's just, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the point is, burning hammer still just is an effective move. But yes, uh, thank you, Grant. For was it Last of the Dragon? It was called Last of the Dragon, or when he was in Dragon Gate, it was also called the Last Falconry. Oh, that sounds so majestic. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? For somebody, that, for a couple of us that don't watch New Japan, I think uh, I think that's a very good, uh, very good suggestion there. All right, Sarah, you're up next. What have you got? Um, well, I've got one. It's, it's pretty much the obvious pick um, when it comes to finishers, uh, especially with um, the fact that it's the current AEW World Champion, but it's Kenny Omega's One Winged Angel. Mm -hmm. um, primarily because, like, see when, and Grant, you'll be able to help me with this. 
How many people have kicked out of the One Winged Angel? There's not been any legit kickouts that I can actually remember. There was one where Okada had his foot already under the rope, so that was mm -hmm. a fluke. It's it's possibly the most protected move in all professional wrestling at the moment. Exactly. So mm -hmm. the way that Kenny likes it, Kenny believes a finisher should be a finisher, um, and that that's what people usually say. That a finisher is the thing to end the match. So as soon as you can see that Kenny's putting someone into the electric chair position and just tucking their arm down to bring them down into the one winged angel, that no, it's basically nobody kicks out of the one winged angel. Like you can maybe. Uh, have a pin broke up or you can get your foot on the ropes like what John Moxley has done or when your other people is like try and avoid it as best you can like that is essentially the options you have there is no kicking out the one winged angel and when done right nobody kicks out the falcon arrow as well just <laughs> right well we do have a couple of people that agree with you like Sean Smith and Stephen Wilson have both said have both listed the one winged angel as their best and it's it's the electric chair into sort of like a driver again, isn't it? Yep. Aye. So it's kind of similar to the Last of the Dragon, except rather from a sort of Samoan sort of fireman's carry position, it's from an electric chair. Like how much how much extra impact do you think the electric chair position adds to it? I mean, the fact they're up and maybe a little bit higher. Um, I mean, he sort, of, he sort of lowers them down a little bit at the same time, doesn't he? Mm, he talks them down a bit. Like maybe like a millimeter, <laughs> just, to sort of, <laughs> just to sort of tuck their head. Make sure their head is tucked under. Because mm. see if this move is not performed correctly, you can paralyze and potentially kill somebody. Like maybe at the very least injure them. But if it's not done correctly, like this is why it is a very protective move, and nobody else does it. Um, because like if it does go wrong, like we've seen the finishers like Silas Clash go wrong. We've seen plenty of other finishers go completely wrong and so this is that this is the one thing that it, it makes it such a dangerous move not only just for storytelling but legitimately and um, so that's why you've got to be sort of very careful about who actually performs the move and um, so yeah it's just the fact nobody kicks out of the one-winged angel mm -hmm. that's it Derek, I don't know how much of AEW Dynamite you watch, but obviously we get a lot more exposure to Kenny Omega from a sort of Western audience's perspective. Um, like, what do you think of Kenny Omega? Like, Kenny Omega's got quite a diverse moveset in itself because he's also got moves like Croy's Wrath, which is the sort of German suplex uh, type move from an electric chair. Uh, but what's your what's your impression of the of the one winged angel is it a move that deserves you know all the the attention it's been getting it how it shouldn't be kicked out of no definitely i think so i think the, the way it puts them up the electric chair that adds anticipation for the audience as well watching it like oh shit it's happening it's going it's gonna go and it's just it is devastating and it's also the way it's, it's like it's summer to, to grants on the field where he can as soon as he's on it he can put them in a pin so it's mm -hmm. very it's very seamless motion as well you know it's it's, I think it's got everything you need, you know, it's, it builds up the excitement when you see him going and putting them on his, putting them on his shoulders, lifting them up, bringing them down, and then boom, and then one, two, three, game over, good night. It is, it is pretty damn impressive. And also, like Sarah said here, it's a really, it's a really dangerous move as well. If you do not do this right, when the way that they fall, you could seriously, seriously injure someone um, as well. So. In terms of in terms of that side of things, it does have everything in it. Um, you know, like I said, it's smooth running. There is a big element of danger in it as well for for the wrestler who's taking it as well. So it's I, I think it's I think it's I think it's awesome. Mm. 
and Grant, obviously, uh, Kenny Omega, big feature of New Japan for many years. Like, how many massive victories has Kenny Omega scored, would you say, with the one-winged angel? Pretty much every single title win that he's ever had has really came in the back of the one-winged angel. Um, one thought that I've had because of the whole electric pair chair position, one thing I'd love to see him eventually do is win tag team gold again. But having the one-winged angel positioned up and have someone do a drop kick to the back to make it a tag team manoeuvre, like just to add that extra. Because if you choreograph that right, the drop kick doesn't need to be full impact, but it can mm. look utterly mm. devastating. Um, it is. It's a move. Um, I think mean, to give you an idea how big a deal it is. I mean, he could never beat Okada till he finally hit the one-winged angel. And the first two matches had 45 minutes for the first match, an hour-long draw for the second. Every single time, Okada done everything he could to get out the one-winged angel. As soon as he went for the electric chair position, the panic set in. That's how you can tell it's a great manoeuvre when you, someone can tell the story of even being in position for it hmm. puts the fear of God in them. Knowing that they're pretty much the top of the pile, you're a 720-day hmm. reign. So this hits me, it's over for me. Brilliant uh -huh. storytelling. And Daniel, I think you know the panel have really sort of hit home how devastating this one-winged angel is. Just to sort of ask you the same question I asked Derek, uh, you know, seeing him regularly on AEW Dynamite, uh, I refer back to the argument about, you know, the the Kokina clutch and the Kirafuda clutch, like how so much regularity with them and repetitiveness sort of took away the aura of it. Do you think the one-winged angel is any danger of, you know, losing its aura because of its uh, potential repetitivity? Like, at the moment, because it's still protected, it's fine. But if it keeps getting protected and they end up, you know, it's almost kind of similar to what they started doing with the tombstone in the last decade of having people pop kick out of it a lot of the time. If they keep it protected enough, then he'll have no problem with that at all. I will also add very quickly, what I would also love to see would be similar premise to what Grant suggested of a tag team finisher with it, but it's a reverse doomsday device. Hmm. Yeah. I think that was the first thing that came to mind when he suggested a tag team finisher. It's kind of similar to the, the Doomsday device, but yeah. Mm. But yeah, it definitely seems like there's a lot of praise going around for the, the one-winged angel uh, just between us and our listeners too. So yeah, it's a very, very popular move to say the least. Oh, Sarah, you got something to add? Yeah, I was going to say, you do have the question as well as who's going to be the first person to ever kick out the one-winged angel. Mm. It's never been kicked out of. Absolutely never been kicked out of. Now that's interesting because it makes you wonder. Hangman Page. <laughs> well, yeah, you've got the storytelling because like it was like for a while, um, who could break the master lock? Mm. Like, and that went on for so long. It's like who will be that person to do it? Um, so it'll, it will be a wonder of who if it will ever happen. I mean, Kenny might let it happen, but you've seen Don and Kenny going around AW and they're like got the wee video package of showing it to Orange Cassidy and like show, even when he's going around and running around the impact zone like they're showing it to like Moose and Sammy Callahan already knows because like he's worked for Don for years so you're like who's going to be the one to finally kick out the one winged angel if it'll ever happen mm. I mean I hope it doesn't but you know what it, I, I guess the question will still linger you know given that you know Kenny Omega's on Dynamite now and could see you know grant wants hangman page to get it i think the storytelling's there i but think santino should do it and then hit him with don't, a swan don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and you know what how many aw fans do you think if 
Hero Santino arrived in AW, you used the swan, and people will still cheer for it. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> It'll make Jim Cornette angry, and that makes me happy. <laughs> it gives us all a lot of happiness. <laughs> all right, we'll just roll. Moving on. Uh, all right, Daniel, uh, we started with you with the worst, and we'll finish with you on the best. So what is your all-time favorite finisher of the modern era? All right. Now, the person in question who hits this move, I'll admit a lot of the time they've not used his character nearly as well as they could have. There's a lot of potential for Mr. Baron Corbin or King Corbin, whatever you want to call it. I think the King character's been done to death, to be honest. I'd happily see him just go back to Baron at this point. Um, but if there's one thing I've always loved, it's for starters, he's got a very sick signature move. The Deep Six always looks fantastic. But there is something about the end of days that is beautiful every time he hits it. Because it, it's a simple premise. And it's just literally, he brings the opponent in, holds him in position so they practically swing around him, and then he swings him right back and face plants him. Mm -hmm. And I have had, so like, I, I did actually have a discussion with Klaku one night where he just said, mate, I'm going to ruin it for you. He just rock bottoms himself. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Rock bombs. You're a naggy. No, you're yeah. a naggy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a naggy. Um, <laughs> you're a salmon skin roll. <laughs> but, like, but put it this way whoever Corbin hits it on, they sell it brilliantly because they go along with it for the for the journey. I mean, I mean, you've seen. Like he's hit it on who like he's hit it on Seth, he's hit it on Becky as well, he's hit it on countless opponents over the years, and there's never been a time where it looks bad. And he's yeah, and it's always dropped, yeah. If you get dropped in your face, you'd be like that too. Mm -hmm, like exactly. Squish <laughs> like mm. a pancake. And then even in the games they did a fantastic job of recreating it as well. So I, yep. I can never fault the end of days. I love it. You know what, I, I, I can't disagree with you there, uh, and neither do the, the listeners apparently. So we've had multiple people saying that the end of days is an absolute class finisher. The GOAT David Campbell says it's his best uh, of all. Uh, Campbell's Anthony like. Yep, Anthony Fitzpatrick, end of days is a belter. Uh, Sean Smith also had it on his uh, big list of his favorite finishers, as did Stephen Wilson. So it's arguably the most popular best finisher out of our, out of our listeners at least. Um, the move itself, it's kind of like a modified sidewalk slam into a reverse STO. Yes, I know the technical name from a, a previous quiz showdown, so that's that's me just being a bit of a nerd there. Uh, but Grant... Quiz showdown is, too. Damn, that was a throwback. Mm -hmm. yep. like, Dave, you always did the best when it came to my go-home rounds as well. Yep. So... The, bit, the trick was just try and recreate the move in my head and then say, right, what kind of looks like that and who does it? Mm. Yeah. I... Obviously, now, Grant, obviously you're not a big WWE person, but it, what do you make of, like, you know, Baron Corbin, he's a brilliant heel character on the main roster, arguably better than when he was in NXT. Uh, his character does seem a bit stale at sometimes, but is that, is his moveset something, you know, that always seems to save him? I don't think there's a problem with the character. I think there's a problem with the booking and they keep putting him in feuds that last for 300 years. Um, <laughs> I mean, as for my idea for how to revitalise him, um, have him come back out in a polo shirt with the Silent Bang stuff and call himself Barry Corbin. Barry Corbin. That's <laughs> the end of days. Bang. And the pin is gone. 
Oh, you've, you've killed Dan. I can just imagine that. End of days. Bang. The pin is gone. But I think. I think what makes the end of days look really quite special to me is I can't picture anyone else quite being able to hit that the same way. There's something that Corbin's got the right size that you do need a kind of bigger guy, but also someone who can move like Corbin. Because the thing is, that when a lot of guys get to the same size as Corbin, they start to sacrifice that mobility. Like, for example, Strowman would have the strength to hit that, but does he have the flexibility and agility? Not quite to hit it as smooth, it would look quite janky. Mm-hmm. When Corbin does hit it, there is no denying it is a beautiful looking manoeuvre. And the only thing I can put that is, to me, one point against, but also one point for it, is one point against. No one else can really recreate that. But at the same time, that's part of what makes it special. No one can really copy it mm. and make it look like that. It is his own thing. Who'd have thought rock bottom yourself could look so beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm definitely, Daniel's making great points. But it is a, it's a finish that I do like to see. And I enjoy Corbin as a wrestler. He does his job as a heel great. People can say the character's stale, but does he get heat and does he do it in a really good way? Always. And making his way to the ring, accompanied by Barry Scott. Barry <laughs> Corbin. <laughs> Hi, Barry Corbin here, and I'm here to sell you sell it bag. Oh, no. <laughs> bag, end of days. Please, no one tweeting this because he'll probably block me on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God, no. Right, see if this appears on NXT UK in the next few weeks. We'll know what's happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Derek, you know, Grant put up a really good point. You know, the the end of days is sort of a move that only Corbin himself can realistically pull off. I think part of that's usually down to his height because he's quite a tall guy. Like, if say if somebody much smaller were to pull it off, they'd probably have their feet, you know, skim across the floor. But um, I think it's... Do you think there's also some ad- 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 what's the word adaptability to it? <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to say. Uh, some adaptability to it in that you know he can counter it from almost any other sort of carry or hold. Yeah, I mean the thing about the, the, the great thing about it is it's sort of similar, like like my argument for the Claymore is he can do this at any time during the match as well, and it's still devastating. Um, as well, it's. it's I'm just watching a there's like a ten minute clip here on YouTube and I'm just sitting watching it while while everybody's talking and it is pretty it's a it's a pretty awesome move. I love how the the wrestler's doing it, legs come right up, regardless who it is, they manage to get their legs right up and they sell it perfectly, um, and then you just pull back and it is as one, you know, face to the mat, pretty really pretty slow, particularly the speed that you're coming at, it's almost like a quick clothesline you're trying to do and punch them up and slams right down. It's it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty devastating, and I, I do like it. Um, I'm sort of similar to, to Daniel in the sense of Corbin as well. I think the King character is failing and something different, and I'd like to see him just come back and just be, you know, sort of badass he was when he first came in. You know, sort of just the way that he, the way he was, just you know, doing his, doing his own thing rather than you know, sort of being this sort of King character. But it is mm. pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, I seen one there. Some guy jumped off the top rope there, man, and he just caught him, swung him round, and turned him down. So that just shows you mm. it is flexible to, to do it in any occasion, and it is still it's devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah, just one last point about the the end of days. Now we've talked about you know moves such as the one winged angel, you know, being a heavily protected finisher. Given the sheer popularity of it, you know, particularly amongst, you know, sort of our group in particular. Do you think WWE's actually missed a trick by not having having them sort of protect this move, you know, given how 
how you know flexible it is and how devastating it is at the same time and it can only be pulled off by one person in particular do you think wwe has you know made an error by not actually booking corbin in a way that you know it's like if if i hit you with the end of days it is the end of days for you i mean that's what they used to do in nxt i mean i remember when the fans would actually count how long his matches were and like half of them were never longer than five seconds it's like come and hit the end of days and boom i think the long like one of his longer matches was like 11 seconds i want them to go back to that where he's like the complete lone wolf and all that sort of stuff i mean i i miss his entrance music for that because it's like it's probably one of the best entrance music and it fits him um but the fact that shinsuke stole his crown that means it's like right he's over you know the king anymore calm down um but yeah it's the fact you never actually seen this move really until Baron Corbin came in. So I think that's what makes it special as well. Because like there's so many times that people have recreated somebody else's finishing move or like say like for example Rick Flair passing along like the figure four to the Miz and all that sort of stuff. Like because this is his move, un- unless like somebody beats him in complete popularity. That will always be known as his move. Um, so I think that's that makes it quite special as well. Um, in terms of... It, it's also just the fact that, yes, it can come like short. You know, where someone can just run and he can just go, ah, nope. <laughs> and just donk them. Um, so I think it is a very, very strong finishing move. It's just Kerr, Kerr Corbin's not getting the justice that he deserves and the mm-hmm. recognition that he deserves. He should be treated like he was in NXT. Like that big, big monster. Now that Braun Strowman's gone, in terms of bigger athletes, like maybe not as wide, but tall, um, but that's probably where Corbin can maybe find his footing, because he's a big, scary, you know, guy. You know what? I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. And you just start, you know, going through everyone. Hashtag justice for Corbin. Uh, yeah, definitely. We should bring, sort of bring back, you know, NXT Corbin, you know, the, the devastating end of days rather than sort of being in a you know very sort of lowdown feuds with nakamura etc but um we'll go uh we'll go through the rest of the the listeners picks and then we'll sort of uh start to round things off so some of the best finishers that people have picked uh kwaku has said orange cassidy's kicks of doom hell yeah like is that the one where he just puts them in the pockets and he just kicks them in the leg yes yeah, the one where he <laughs> devastatingly damages their legs uh, brings them uh, down in immense and the, pain and the the crowd reaction alone to that is uh, you know it kind of sums up doesn't it yes that's such a quacky one isn't it yeah yeah total wado again that's very much like santino and getting the audience involved because mm. that just that is just cassidy i mean unless he has to he will not put in any effort whatsoever mm-hmm. just just interjecting it to go in beside baron corbin we could have Someone wearing Orange Cassidy's garb, but have it be Jeremy Corbyn. Have the Corbins team up. <laughs> no, no. Oh, don't, don't, don't. Let's not get political here. Uh, but some of the other finishers we've got, uh, Sean Smith. That you know, he's put a lot of suggestions here. He said, I think Derek, this was your other suggestion as well. Seth Rollins's curb stomp. Like uh, you know that you know the impact of it alone is you know that's pretty devastating. And then we've also yeah. got. Uh, we mentioned the coup de gras before. No, I think Stevie Wilson said that was his one of his least favorite. Where Sean Smith is one of the best for ones. I think that's that's there's a bit of a debate there. Kyrie Sane's elbow drop. You know the insane elbow. 
Like, I mean, we sh we've seen a lot of people do elbow drops as finishers, you know, like Randy Savage, etc., and stuff. But Kyrie Sane sort of makes her own uh, insane elbow look look like a thing of beauty. So I suppose there's an argument to be made there. Uh, the Shatter Machine, the Goodnight Express, Big Reg, all tag team finishers. Like the Shatter Machine, definitely a tag team finisher that's definitely worth a mention. So it's, uh, yep, that's another one there. And yep, One Winged Angel's already been mentioned there. Um, what else have we got? Uh, yeah, uh, Black Mass, going back to the sort of kicking, striking finishers, the Riptide, and uh, Jeff Cobb's finisher as well. Now, I can't remember. The Islands. Eh? Yeah, the Tour of the Islands. Yeah, was that the... Grant, you you, what, you know a bit about Jeff Cobbs. Remind me what the that finisher is again. Essentially, a big, massive spinning power slam. Like, pretty much it does almost a 360-degree spin. Almost jumps up when he's doing it and slams him to the ground. And you take him because it account Cobbs roughly about 280 pounds or what. Mm. That is a lot of mass, a lot of speed and a lot of force. It is mm. a thing of beauty when it hits it. That just kind of reminds me of like, almost the way like, Wardlow sets up the F10. Mm. Yeah. Aye. We've got a couple of a uh, couple of submission finish a couple other submission finishers for best as well. Bank statement's been mentioned a couple of times, you know, the, the backstabber crossface. But one that's actually come up and it's one of actually my personal favourites for best finisher, it's the Pax Brutalizer or the Rings of Saturn, as it was mm. uh, done mm. by Perry Saturn. But I wanted to talk about submission finishers, you know, sort of being the best, you know, the, the full Nelson, the, the the master lock, the hurt lock, that was mentioned uh, by a couple of people as actually it's quite quite a devastating move. But um, yeah, the I just want to get your guys' thoughts on a move like, not just like submission moves in general, but specifically like Pax Brutalizer. Sarah, I'll start with you. Oh, I love it. I love it. But that's just like, I just love Pax. I mean, even his black arrow or red arrow is so it's a, a thing of beauty whenever you see that. Um, but bringing them down essentially and bringing like what the butterfly lock should be, right? Mm -hmm. And literally clasping his hands together that you're like, that's sore. I mean, if you put both your hands like behind your back, right? Your shoulder blade took it to be sore. Like I'm doing it right now, and I'm just like, fuck on the flexibility. But it's sore. It stretches you, and you don't want to be a nap too long. Mm-hmm. Like your arms are sort of tied behind your back and you've also got a, a cross face applied to it. Like you're completely tied up uh, like a pretzel. And Daniel, I remember when Batista first did this move to John Cena back in 2010. And I looked at it and I thought, my, my God, if that was done in a submission match, how on earth would anybody, like nobody would be able to pass out from that. Well, tap out from that. They'd have to pass out from it. Uh, and you see the, the expression on Cena's face. It looked like he was literally like, you know, it looked like his arms were about to snap off. Like, can you sort of emphasize like how, you know, crushing this move actually was, especially with a guy like Batista doing it? I'll be honest, I actually forgot Batista used this. I only used like, it very it briefly was, towards the end, yeah. I mean, actually, now that I remember, because I remember that he had a move that in the video games they refer to as the Beast Bait. That's it, yep. Um, it's, a, it's a move that's going to knock you out either way. And if it's someone larger like Batista doing it, you're as well just being like, oh, you're putting it in. That's up. Great, see ya. Like, it's... Bye. I mean, it's a move that for if the person executing it pulls off in such a good way, the fans are going to be very much aware. Yep, that this is curtains for this guy. This is definitely it. And also, the other thing that goes for it, it looks a lot better than the butterfly lock. Mm. 
Yeah, hands down. You know, given you know what Sarah showed earlier with the the butterfly lock, this make this makes it look like you know you're getting put literally put through a torture rack. Uh, now, Derek, I think this this moves also has a bit of flexibility around it because it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to be a big guy to use it. You don't have to be a small guy to use it. It's something that's very it's compatible with any performer and. The, it can also transition, you know, from other moves. Like on Dynamite, we've seen Pac use the Black Arrow and then go immediately into a, a Brutalizer on Kenny Omega before. You think the, the suddenness of being able to not only be, you know, flexible with whoever performs it, but that instance of being able to hit it out of nowhere, is that what makes it quite a, an impactful submission hold? I think that's a great thing about uh, um, a, a submission hold as a finisher and the impact of it as well, you know, like, when I was growing up watching it in the 90s and 80s, we had Ric Flair, we figure four Lidlock, we had Bret Hart, we Sharpshooter. I love those guys as well because, again, you, you were able, they were able to do it if, if they were, you know, if it was just something to take a bit of a beating. You know, they could turn around and do it very quickly and it changes the concept of the match when you weren't thinking about it. And that brutalizer, yeah, I'm just watching um, a bit of AW Dynamite there and it was um, Pat versus Hangman where he'd done the the big spin and then he put him right in it and it was, yep. it's devastating it is it really is particularly the way that he does it it's a great move and again it's one of those ones like Sarah said your, your arms are behind your back it's going to, it's going to hurt <laughs> it's really going to hurt when you're doing it and it's a it's pretty I mean I've said it a few times but it is pretty devastating as well when you see it getting done properly um, such a good finisher Aye. and Grant just uh, just to sort of wrap up this uh, side of the the brutalizer conversation you know Pac was using it all the way back in 2017 when he was uh Neville king of the cruiserweights on 205 live he'd completely swapped out his high flying arsenal for a much more sort of uh, grounded pound uh suplexing and holding and stuff and the brutalizer the rings of saturn as it was known there was his finish at the time do you think this sort of falls under the same category as end of days and that you know this is this could have been a move that could have been heavily protected and added to his run as, as cruiserweight champion yeah definitely could have been used um, as a more protected move um, the simplicity of it like some of the submissions that Derek mentioned there the beauty of them was the, sim the simplicity because I almost went for there was three submission finishers which I almost chose for my ones the only reason I went against them was because of the difficulty in the setup of three of them all from the same man Zack Sabre Jr there's orienteering with Napalm Death, which is an Argentine leg lock and a calf splicer combo, which is horrific looking. There is the cremation lily. The only reason I didn't choose that is because only about three wrestlers were able to take it because of the flexibility required. It has been in shoot interviews described as legitimately the most painful experience that they've ever endured. And the last one, this is a beauty. This is what I love about this as well, the daft names. Hurrah, another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable match of progress will lead us all to happiness. And that is a double wrist clutch. Octopus hold. The best way to describe that is, imagine putting someone in the brutalizer, but instead of putting them in the, the kind of chin lock with it, imagine sitting on top of them backwards, wrenching, and their head is tucked right into their, pretty much oh. into their crotch. Can you imagine if that was a big person doing that? That would just snap your neck like a twig. The only, thing I have to say that, <laughs> the only thing I'll say about that is that very big long title that you just read and the time it would take the commentary team to go oh my god he's got the and say the full name of it the match would be over the match would be out yeah 
but that's that's thing though like those submissions are beautiful for me but what i love is things like the brutalizer the sharpshooter or whether you want to call it the scorpion death or the figure four they're quick setups they look immediately painful and yeah to me the brutalizer should have been far more protected like it is have any of you ever been put into anything like that like i, I, have I just actually. i just i just know it from like messing no, about my brother growing up <laughs> messing, messing about my brother or even just getting drunk with, drunk with friends when parties get a hand somebody like the, again it's or in Derek's case just go visit Stephen honestly <laughs> I, honestly, I can't wait for us all to get together like this post lockdown and we can all just take turns putting Stephen in different submissions because <laughs> we know we know Laura's going to approve that she will just be like do whatever you want as long as he's like able to go to work and make money that's fine <laughs> I'm sure he'd be alright either way they'll probably uh, have a match about that <laughs> So just to recap on what we've picked as our favourite finishers, we have Derek with Drew's Claymore Kick, we have Grant with The Last of the Dragon, we have Sarah Grieve with The One Winged Angel, Daniel Campbell picked End of Days, and I went with The Brutalizer. So it's uh, that time again, let's vote. What do we think was the best finisher that we've talked about today? And even even you can pick a listener's suggestion that hasn't already been discussed. So Daniel, what's your favourite? Uh, for execution, I am going to go with Last of the Dragon. All right. And Sarah? I mean, obviously Last of the Dragon, but I was going to say the Falcon Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Grant? I'm going to go with, because of like the beautiful simplicity and the ad- how it's evolved, I'm going with Derek's The Claymore. And Derek? I'm going with the one like the by Sarah. Ooh, so... Just by one vote, uh, the winner of the best finisher of the modern era goes to Last of the Dragon, narrowly beating out the One-Winged Angel. I think that's... uh, I mean, it certainly caught me by surprise. I thought you were all going to go with the One-Winged Angel there, but I think it goes to show there's definitely several finishers out there that, you know, whether it's the, the devastating impact of it, the ability to be pulled off by any wrestler in particular, or just the sheer simplicity of, you know of such a, a devastating move. It just goes to show you there's so many you can do, but in this instance, uh, The Last of the Dragon uh, wins out in this case. So that's gonna do it uh, for us here on the latest feature show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. So all that remains for me to say is uh, thank you to my panel for their for their debates today. Derek? Cheers, Dave. Always a pleasure. All right, likewise. And Sarah? Swan. <laughs> Swan. <laughs> Grant? Thank you very much. Honk. Yes. and finally Daniel (laughs) Uh, I've been David Hockney this is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and we'll see you next week Swan there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown hello guys welcome to Quiz Showdown I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz we don't know what the heck's going on with it but you're going to have to watch to find out go check out on the YouTube channel now That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.